welcome to the Simply His Coffee Shop, everyone. We're so excited for today's show. We're going to have a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to start a two-part series, and we're going to be interviewing somebody that is so completely important to me and has been a big, huge part of my life since moving here to Crane. I'm going to get emotional, guys. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Let it be. Let it be what it is. That's what makes it real. Just don't mess up your makeup. <laughs> I did. Okay. Okay. So we're going to be interviewing somebody that is so incredibly important, not only to me especially, but to the entire Horn family and the Skywatch TV family. Please welcome our incredible friend and basically sister, Penny <laughs> Benton. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking to her about her incredible testimony slash journey. Mm -hmm. She has traveled the road of infertility and I was actually looking up some statistics and between 10 and 15% of couples actually suffer and have to deal with infertility. And it is kind of one of those subjects that's still considered a little bit taboo because once you get married, you're supposed to have kids, right? And for some people, that's not their journey and that's not their story. And so we thought Penny would be a wonderful addition to have on the show and talk about her journey and how everything went with, with her story. Yeah. So Penny... First of all, it's kind of a fun story on how we met. Yes. You want to tell them about how we met? <laughs> <laughs> Catherine started working at a place that I worked at. She was the, the cook. And I just felt drawn to her. And I'm the type of person that I can't. I'm, this, is, this is scary <laughs> to me. Um, and I'm the type of person that is in the background. I don't yeah. exert myself to make friends. And this person who I've never met in my whole entire life, I just mm -hmm. felt drawn to, like a sister. Yeah. We had different backgrounds, but we had right. very similar bikes, you know, yep. similar stories, our behaviors. And I remember one day we had been talking and, you know, we were kind of you know, learning each other. And I walked into the kitchen where she was cooking and I was like, I'm going to say something <laughs> and I'm afraid you're going to think I'm weird. <laughs> I and remember she's that. Like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I just really feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. I feel like that you're like you're my sister. Right. I feel really connected to you. And I said, I've never had that experience at all, period, with any mm -hmm. other person. Right. So um it just our friendship grew from there. Yeah. Um and I personally believe that Catherine helped me um achieve and be the person that I am because she was my strength <laughs> when I was going through my infertility and my struggle. And mm -hmm. Catherine kicked my behind <laughs> all the way through it. And she got me out of my comfort zone. She got me out of my my darkest time um, during that. And I, I don't know what I'd do without her. <laughs> and the Horn family, you know, I've, I'm so blessed to, to know all of you. Well, so I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> feel the same um, way. We do feel the same way. My struggle didn't start. I mean, I've my struggle with 
knowing my infertility didn't start until five years after my husband and I had been married. Okay. You know, when you first get married, you know, you, that's your dream. You want to start a family. You want to do all of that, but you always, it's always in the moment. It's never, it's like, it'll happen. Right. It'll happen when it happens. And so we were just enjoying our, our relationship and our marriage Mm -hmm. and five years go by and I'm really feeling it. I'm really feeling that. That tug, that of, tug maternity, of maternal uh, instinct yes. kicking in. I mean, yeah. your, your friends are having babies and you're mm-hmm. just loving on them and you, you're all gooey inside and you go home and you're just like, you know, hey, <laughs> I want to have a baby. Yeah. And so it wasn't, even then it wasn't a pressure at that right. point, even then. It didn't, probably about six, seven years in, I really started getting nervous and upset and praying to God like, can, you know, just give me a baby, you know, just one. I'm, I, I don't want to be stingy. I just want one, <laughs> just one. And it has to look just like my husband because I love him. You know, he's my soul and just one. That's all I want. Right. Eight years go by, nine years go by, 10 years go by. Because I think I met you right after you guys had been married for about 10 years, yes, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So I just barely missed your guys's vow renewal. Yes, yes. And I think I met you right after that, possibly. Yes, yeah, we renewed our vows um, our 11th year. Okay. And a lot of people that are in marriages that are struggling with infertility, the one thing that gets hit the hardest is your marriage. Yep. It's not anything you or your spouse is doing. It's just the strain and the stress of it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point that you stop talking to each other about how you feel about it. Right. As a woman... I stopped talking to everybody about it because I had convinced myself that everybody was tired of hearing it. And I had also convinced myself through being in church and stuff. And I know that people mean well. Yeah. And when you're struggling with something with an illness or sickness or anything, they mean well, but there's something that is kind of illustrated in faith that you have, your faith isn't strong enough. Or you've sinned and this is your punishment. And that was the armor that I was carrying around with that I was being punished for not being, you know, fertile. That God was withholding this child because I was too sinful. And it was the biggest hurdle for me to get through and get over because I kept saying, Lord, what can I do? What can I do more? Right. You, you know, what can I do? Like you have because, to pay penance in yes. order for, to receive this gift. You have to jump through X, Y, Z. Yes. And then if you follow all of these rules, then something There's will your be reward. given to you There's your as reward. a reward. A part of me knows that the church, that's not their intention, but it is preached. You know, you, you got to be sinless and, you, you know, all these right. riches are going to come to you. And I carried that for years thinking that it was That's me and that it was my punishment for for not being a better Christian. And that put a wedge, honestly, between me and my husband. Right. And it hurt us. And I remember after all the years, I think it was like the 15th, 16th year of our marriage, you know, and the hundreds of pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I went through fertility treatments and drugs and and all of that. And I remember waiting until my husband left because I had already taken the pregnancy test and it was 
it was negative. And I held it together until my husband left. He went to work. And I get into the shower and I just lose it. Mm -hmm. I'm screaming and crying and yelling and cursing. <laughs> and in that moment, I said, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I can't. This is, I'm giving it to you. It's, it's yours to carry now. I can, I can no longer carry this pain and burden. And I gave it to him. I let, let him have it. And it didn't happen right away because none of, you know, it's all in God's time. And my husband and I, we had to work on our marriage, work on trusting each other and telling each other the, the nitty gritty of, of your pain. And letting somebody in is really super hard. Because it is. That was one of the things that Catherine helped me with because I wasn't letting anybody in. It was my punishment. I was going to punish myself. And I did for years. And it was, it was hard. It is hard. And I know that you, even though you never said, but there was always this feeling that you were always there to kind of call me. Yeah. I would go home and lock myself in the house and you'd call me like, get, get your behind. We're, we're <laughs> going to go play. Town. We're going to go play rock band at the house <laughs> and eat popcorn. And, you know, and that's kind of how I met Donna and your husband, Joe and Allie and Nita mm -hmm. and Tom was because you, <sighs> you pulled me from that. Well, and I remember too, I actually struggled with infertility as well. Um, a lot of people don't really know that. And I have four kids now, so they're like, oh, you didn't struggle. But I struggled with infertility, and we were actually told we'd never have kids because of what was going on. So, And that's why, though, our kids are so far apart mm -hmm. is because we could never plan. So every single one of them is truly a miracle. So having said that, we had Kate when we moved here. So you and Kate were buddies from oh, the yes, get-go. Yes. Aunt Penny was Kate's um, worm buddy and yes. bug buddy. They would go <laughs> out and buddies. catch stuff. Other than Grandma, she was the other one that would take Kate to do that. No, we didn't. We did. were worm people. <laughs> I guess we're worm buddies. <laughs> they were. They, they'd go out and find Too all fun. the animals in the yard and stuff. Uh. But... I ended up, while I was working there, getting pregnant with Nita, and that was during part of the time where you were pursuing some of the infertility yes. treatments. And I know that for me, I wanted to tell you that I was pregnant, and I knew that you would be happy for me, but then my heart was broken, too, because I'm like, why do I get a baby and Penny doesn't get a baby? It's got to be a hard one. It's really hard, and that's that's true for a lot of people. You know, they're, they're, they struggle to... Well, how do I tell my friend or yeah. somebody that's close to me that's struggling with infertility that God blessed me with a baby? Yes. And I remember <laughs> I found out I was pregnant with Nita around my birthday. So then I told her, I said, well, I got an extra present this year. And then I told her I was pregnant with Nita. And the cool thing about it, though, is you got to be there when I Nita did. was born. And, and so, you know, in all honesty, seeing her being born healed me because I felt like, sorry. I remember that. There was only four people in that room and we were only supposed to have two, <laughs> but the doctors were not kicking anybody out because 
everybody was calm. Right. So Joe was in the room, of course. Mom was in the room. And actually, Allie got to be there that time. Yes. And um, then Penny was in the room. So it was and just the four of I us. I kept saying, I can leave if, I, if you guys want me to. And Joe's like, no. You're <laughs> staying right here. You're not leaving. <laughs> One of the things with infertility and why women want to have that child is that feeling of the child developing and growing inside of you. Right, of course. Hearing the first heartbeats and all of that yep. stuff. The first kid. Without Catherine even knowing and allowing me to go on that journey with her through her pregnancy and being in that room and watching Nita come out. And it scared me because <laughs> I was like, I, I had never experienced anything like that. <laughs> and I watched this beautiful child come out and I was just like, I couldn't explain it, but it, I, it made me feel like I, I got to witness that. So I'm not losing that. Mm -hmm. You right. know, I got to see that and see this beautiful life come into the world. So I got to experience that, even though I never experienced, experienced it, it myself. That's very cool. I remember <laughs> that was that honestly was a big healing in my life with the pain and, and the loss. Because when you're infertile you grieve and you have nothing to grieve about every time you have your cycle and there's a, you know, a pregnancy test that's negative. You grieve for, you do. for a loss that you, it's unexplainable because it's a loss, but there's nothing, nothing there's there. Nothing tangible that yes, you lost, yes. but it's just another reminder that your body didn't do what it was supposed yes. to, that your body, women were created to do and yes. that's kind of the stigma too i think around yes. it is that well you're a woman you're supposed to have babies you're supposed to do xyz and you're supposed to do all these things but then when you when you feel too like not only maybe you're being too sinful as you said earlier that you don't get to have one but then your body has failed you at the same yes. time and that's that in itself is then you don't trust your body Yes. You know, it's it's yeah. crazy and how you, that happens, yeah, that start, cycle. Yeah, and it it affects your friendships, your relationships with your family, too. Because mm -hmm. we tend to think we're alone. Yeah. I'm the only one that's struggling with this. I'm the only one that is hurting. And it's not. Your husband is hurting. Yeah. Your husband, he wants those things for you. He He wants a baby, too. He wants a child, too. But then he feels... Like he's kind of stuck in the middle, in a, in a bad place, honestly, because he wants to give you what you want. He wants to give you a child and he can't do that, but he's afraid if he says anything to you and expresses that pain that he's experiencing, that mm -hmm. he's just putting more on you. stress on you and more pain on you. When we actively started seeking, like we're like, okay, this is... Something I mean, this isn't happened. normal. We did all the normal things that you do for infertility. He went and got tested. I went and got tested. It was my body was the one that was having the problem. And I felt guilty about that because I'm like, he wants a baby too, just as mm -hmm. much as I do. And I can't give him what he wants. And that, that to me, in all honesty, I think that's the enemy. Yeah pushing against our marriage, pu pushing against our relationships with our family and our friends, because he, he wants us to have self-doubt. He wants us to... He wants to isolate. Yes, he yeah. does want to isolate us. Because it sounds that, like that's what's happening here between 
between you trying to carry the pain alone and not put any more than what he's carrying. He's doing the same thing. You said that about your family. You stopped talking to your family mm -hmm. because you did not want to share that pain anymore. Yeah. It's like they're done hearing it. But the thing is, is the pain continues because yes. it ain't done. Mm -hmm. So continue. Yeah. Because this story has a wonderful yeah. chain of events. And I really think that that is the enemy's, his doing mm -hmm. the whispering the self-doubt the depression oh, that comes with infertility is all being whispered to you you're not good enough you know you're not trying hard enough you're not a good christian your husband's going to leave you and there's all this doubt and it's coming from you kind of right but it's being fed mm -hmm. by the enemy of course and that really in all honesty looking back i see that he knew God ordained my husband and I's relationship way before either one of us were even comprehending what that was. Right. I was raised in a way he was raised in a way. And there was a lot of God pushing both of us into our relationship. And the enemy doesn't want that. He doesn't right. want people strong in faith. Yeah. And women that are dealing with infertility, he doesn't want you strong in your faith. Right. He wants you to doubt God's love. He wants you to doubt you're being punished. God doesn't love you. And that is absolutely not true. Well, and I love the fact, too, that you're talking so much, too, about how this affected Randy. And we maybe need to have him on a show. Maybe. At some point. <laughs> that to might talk be a little bit it. more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, between him and Joe, you know, they can attest to the man's perspective, yeah. too, because... People don't always talk about that and how it affects men because men are supposed to be tough and they have no emotions, but it's just as hard on them in a completely different way yes. than it is on the woman. The woman doubts her body and thinks, well, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. And men, well, most men are fixers. Yes. They want to fix everything yes. for you. If, if I come to Joe and say, hey, Joe, this is what's going on. He's like, okay, then how, how do we fix it? What, what do I need to do? How do I make this happen for you? Kind of a thing. And that's, that's the way God made them. So it's just as hard for them when they see their wife struggling that they want to be like, okay, I really want to do this for you. I want to make this happen for you. And they can't fix it any more than us women can just so. say, oh, hey, let's do this. For them, it's just as much of a process. And I don't think they get nearly as much credit no they don't for their pain and their emotions as us women do yeah and that's true that is so true he he wasn't telling me these things because he was trying to protect me but I had convinced myself that he he didn't want kids that it just needed to be us and because of that it you know again there's that wedge that draws in, and we had to we had to come to a really hard place in our life to realize that we we wanted each other mm -hmm. and not just a physical way. It was a spiritual way, an emotional way that we wanted each other in our lives. Right. And that we would fight for each other in our lives. Right. And it, it wasn't easy and it was pretty, pretty dirty, you know, and yeah. it makes me sad whenever... I hear about a, a you know a couple that struggled with that and they they didn't work it through and they you know they get you know separated and it's usually not because they don't love each other it's just that pain is so raw intense. yes and intense that it 
that that can't last. Right. But I know that the things that I went through, the pain, the anguish, and the why why do I have this maternal instinct and and I right. can't do anything with it? Like God, why why are you putting this in me? Why are you putting this so strong desire for not just kids but all kids? Yeah. That protective part that you just want to go why? This yeah, is cruel. I have so much to offer. This and I noticed that too, because the way that you were with my kids and then the way that you were with your nieces and nephews, you were so protective of them and so very mothering of them and wanting to lavish your love on yes. them. And that always came through. My kids, they consider you their other yeah. aunt, you know. And they're my nieces and nephews. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And I love them with all my heart, you know. I honestly, I don't think I could have survived without you, without my husband, without right. my family, and without everybody that God put, put in, in my path life. during that time. Because I'm, you know, I was, I, it was hard and it was, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to get up in the morning. Yeah. And the longer it went, it was very, very hard to get up in the morning. And every morning I would say, just get up, just get up. And you did. And I did. And I don't think it was me that was saying it. I think God was telling me. He was prompting Just you. get up, Penny. It's, I know you don't understand this, but it's not your time. Right. You don't understand, and I know you're hurting, but it's not your time. Well, and God's timing is perfect, and that's the cool he thing is. about all of he this. Is. Because next week, too, we're going to be talking about a little bit more of your your actual adoption journey and how that came to pass and what kind of led you in to fostering into adoption. So there is a, there is a happy ending, everybody <laughs> at home. There is a happy ending to all of this. You had said something the other day as we were talking. When you was in that shower moment, mm -hmm. that was when you really just said, okay, and you just kind of gave it up and said, like, whatever, God. And it was at that moment when, when we were talking that I felt God said, okay, phase two coming yep. up. So Penny, how did God use everything that you were going through with your infertility and all of the emotions and all of the feelings, how did he use that to prepare you for the next chapter? Well, I think he was preparing me all along. Right. Um, not to go into all of everything, but my husband didn't have the best childhood. Right. And it took a lot of years of me being pushed by the Lord not to give up on him. Right. And to give him the things that he needed and he didn't get as he was growing up. And at that time, I just was being obedient because when we first in our relationship before we got married, it was, it was hard. Mm -hmm. And most people, if they were to look into that and see that and watch, if it was a movie, they would say he was abusive. And every time when I would have a moment with him, I would say, I'm, a, I'm strong. I'll, I'll, you know, I don't let anybody do that to me. And God would be like, that is not who he is. That is not who I made him to be. He is pretending. He has a mask on. Do not give up on that boy. And I fought and loved and fought and loved with him. Right. Until we got to a place, which didn't happen until I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own anymore. Right. And back I let that go. Day. And he, unbeknownst to me, was working on my husband. 
Right. He was speaking to him in Randy's language, in his I language. I love it so much. <laughs> and speaking to him on how he wanted him to be as a man. Randy needed to leave all of that pain behind and become who he is supposed to become. Right. I didn't know that. And when we both came to the, after, you know, we had our, you know, issues and we both came to the understanding that we wanted to fight for each other. Right. That's when God really started working, not only in me, but him. Right. For me, my experience was I would have people come up to me. Like we had a nurse that would come to where I worked at and she was a foster mother and she only fostered medically necessary kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that had disabilities, had mental problems and all this stuff. And her and I kind of became friends and she would tell me her, her stories. And some of them were terrifying. (laughs) I mean, they were, they were, there was this big, beautiful picture of you're going to adopt this kid and now they're perfect and they're whole and, and everything's good. And now you guys are going to, you know, run off into the sunset. It was, there were some horror stories. Yeah, I remember. But she kept telling me, Penny, you need to foster. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not after that story. <laughs> but every time she would come in and tell me these stories and then she would have the, the most amazing stories <laughs> of kids that she fostered and they went home to their parents, you know, and that she was able to provide that. And it was, she experienced her, her loss and, and sadness that these kids left. It was just little things, little things that God whispered in my ear. And he was I, planting those was seeds. planting those seeds in, in me. And... I'm a stubborn person. God knows that. And what? Yeah. <laughs> God uses that. He knew he that Randy and I needed the time to heal ourselves so that we could be prepared for in the future when unbeknownst to us, what was going to happen. I love it and so I much. remember waking up one day and I told my husband, I was like, we need to buy a house. Yep. And he was like, what? I'm like, no, we need to buy a house. We need to quit renting. We need to get a house that's big enough for kids. And Randy just, you know, goes along with it. We found a house in Aurora. It's got three bedrooms. I mean, two of them are empty. (laughs) And um, several months go by. We get settled in. And I wake up one day and I was like, you know what I've been thinking about? He's like, what's that? And I'm like, I think we need to check out being foster parents. I said, I'll just go and get the information and I did, and and everything just started falling in place. On that note, Penny, we will totally come back, and you do not want to miss next week at all because this story does continue. And next week we'll be talking about Penny's journey through fostering and when she was able to finally complete her family with three amazing kids. Yeah. <laughs> We will see you next time at the Simply His Coffee Shop. Woo!